Behold, the braw highlands of Scotland. Haste ye back to the bonny haws and banes. Whoops, I think I've stepped in a wee besom jobby. Punctuated atop the heath and heather are cairns, rock piles scattered across the landscape since prehistoric times. They serve as markers, monuments, and gravesites. They can be diminutive towers or stacks of stones the size of a house. They're both a fixture on the highland landscape and a magnet for sleeked beasties. Rats, badgers, and foxes who in turn infest and invade farms and pasturing animals, retreating to the shelter and safety between a cairn's crude stones, emitting a silent na-na-na-na-boo-boo to the hapless farmers they torment. But those farmers, however hapless, aren't helpless. Over the past few centuries, they developed the near-perfect varminator. Here she comes. Less than a foot high, maybe a dozen pounds, all drool-kit and dripping. She's smart, truculent, and fearless. Like many of her kind, she's a southpaw, with front paws engineered larger than her back ones to help her dig. Her assertiveness and stick are legendary. She's a Cairn Terrier. Terrier because she's a digging dog. Cairn because of her gift for tenaciously extracting all manner of vermin from these stacks of rocks. Alone, she's an effective ratter. As part of a pack, she can out-badger a badger and out-fox a fox. Away with ye, cheeky wee monkeys! In her intelligence, trainability, and loyalty, make her a beloved part of thousands of families. Sharp-eared listeners will recall that in our previous episode, Hollywood Hounds, Transforming American Dog Culture Through Films, we celebrated a Cairn Terrier named Terry, immortalized in The Wizard of Oz as Dorothy's bosom pal. Toto, too? Toto, too? Seems Toto was more than just a pretty face. She... Terry was actually a female, would have been an excellent hand on Dorothy's family farm, ridding the barn, stables, and outbuildings of vermin and wicked witches. I'm Bud Bacone. From spaniels to schnauzers, from beagles to borzois, huskies to harriers, we are about to scour the archives for irresistible stories behind breed names. So, Donny Gway... There have been dogs as long as there have been people. Two keys. This dog was going places. Fast. The American Kennel Club. Kennel Club. Take your dog down and back for me, please. Down and Back. Stories from the AKC Archives. This is the show for you. With Bud Bacone. Let's begin with the name Husky. It's pretty straightforward. This strong working dog loves pulling and running, and it takes a good Husky constitution to do that. There it is, Husky, like the adjective. Mystery solved. Now, let's get... Hold on, it's from the archives. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm being told... It's not that straightforward. In fact, the breed named Husky has nothing to do with the adjective meaning robust. 
While the name origin isn't clearly resolved, you might find the answer here, in northern Quebec. Just once can we go somewhere with a f palm tree? The indigenous peoples from this part of the world call themselves Inuit. Europeans, for whatever reason, came to call the people Eskimos, a term mercifully crated and shipped to the lexiconic nuisance grounds. Eskimo, some believe, derives from the word Esquimo, believed to be a First Nations term for eaters of raw meat. Stay with the tour now, we're getting to the dog. Goes the theory, various Europeans in time corrupted the term Esquimo, shortening it to Eskies. It might be the settlers of Labrador with their penchant for adding an H to words beginning with a verb, who made it sound like Heskies. The wonderful working dogs they cultivated became Hesky dogs, which morphed over time to become Husky dogs. Today's Siberian Husky is smaller than its cousin, the Alaskan Malamute, with a thick coat, erect ears, and eyes of brown or blue, or sometimes one of each. From Esquimo to Esqui to Hesky to Husky. Proof positive that the telephone game was alive and well even before the telephone. Psst, Blunt Bacone. Psst, Blunt Bacone. Psst, Burnt Bacone. Psst, Burnt Bacon. Or my name isn't Burnt Bacon. Of the 200 breeds recognized by the American Kennel Club, many of the names are function-based. Hence the shepherds, terriers, that is, earth or digging dogs, uh, harriers or harehounds, retrievers, pointers, and borzois, from an archaic Russian word meaning fast. The eagle-eared among you will remember our episode, What's in a Name?, where we profiled breeds named for people. There you met uh, Parson Jack Russell and Alexander Gordon of Gordon Setter fame. What we didn't do is tell you about the origin of the breed named Keishant. Tradition has it that it's a nod to the great Dutch patriot Kees de Heiselaar, leader of the rebellion against the Royal House of Orange in the 1780s. Breed numbers took a beating when the Dutch royalty was restored. Two other eponymous breed names we covered, Dandy Dinmont, a fictional character from the works of Sir Walter Scott, and the tax collector slash dog breeder, Louis Doberman. On a side note, a funny thing happened to Doberman on his way to lending his name to the breed. His name was spelled with two N's, yet the breed name has just one. Anyone knowing the whereabouts of the second N in Doberman, kindly pop it in a self-addressed stamped envelope and ship to the American Kennel Club. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, postage paid, if you please, we're not for profit. But enough of this. Let's go hunting. In centuries past, anyone who was anyone would hunt on horseback. When hunting deer, they'd have a pack of large hounds to lead the chase. For those on a budget or perhaps too old to gallivant on horseback all day, a foothound was just the thing, like this fella. The Beagle. A compact, scenting dog just right for hare hunting. Alas, that's H-A-R-E, not the follicle kind. Their highly calibrated, olfactory skills make them effective hunters. Their smaller frame limits their speed. Perfect for humans hunting on foot. Speaking of olfactory, 
I believe I smell an AKC breed biography. Because beagles are bred to work in packs, they're a natural with families. An excellent hunting dog and loyal companion, they're happy-go-lucky, funny, and graced with an irresistible face with big brown or hazel eyes set off by long, houndy ears set low on its broad head. Beagles come in two varieties, those under 13 inches at the shoulder and those 13 to 15 inches. They're loving and lovable, happy and companionable, which helped make them the most popular hound dog among American pet owners. It helps that beagles don't drool or have a doggy odor, and that their shedding is minimal. They can, however, require patience. As pack animals, beagles dislike being left alone and can show their displeasure by howling and with destructive behavior. Oh, and get a load of that slender tail, which is white for a reason. While hunting in overgrown terrain, always with its nose to the ground, the white tail points skyward, serving as a flag helping its human track its location. There are reports of small pack hounds, ancestors of today's beagle, hunting rabbit and hare in England, even before the Roman legions arrived in 55 BC. The first beagles in America arrived after the Civil War and were an instant hit among rabbit hunters. As if Charles Schulz's Snoopy didn't do enough to popularize the breed in the mid-20th century, President Lyndon Johnson could always command column inches with photos of his beagles. During his White House tenure, he owned three, named him, her, and Edgar, the latter being a gift from FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Today's international travelers are no strangers to the Beagle Brigade. Dogs trained by U.S. border agents to patrol passenger baggage, sniffing out uh, fruit, seeds, vegetables, fish, or wildlife products, anything that could harm American agriculture. Because they're smallish and cute, they also serve a PR function. Passengers find them less intimidating than a German shepherd dog or uh, a larger scenting hound. And, as if the Beagle's curriculum vitae isn't well enough populated... Meet Elvis. A beagle trained for a very specific job at the Pittsburgh Zoo. Now, about 10 years ago, they were keen to know if their polar bear, Kobe, was pregnant. Evidently, it's harder than you think to get a polar bear to pee on a stick. By sniffing a female polar bear's feces, or for our Scottish listeners, her jobby, Elvis was able to detect a given pheromone level and confirm her pregnancy. By sniffing polar bear poop at several other zoos, it's a living, Elvis chalked up an impressive 97% accuracy rate. Beagle fanciers will be quick to tell you that these canines are vocal with three typical sounds. A standard bark, a yodel-like sound called a bay, and a howl. Well, actually, four sounds, if you count cartoon beagles. One mystery beagle fanciers have been sniffing out for generations is, where does the breed name come from? Though its origin is uncertain, the name beagle is widely believed to derive from the old French name Beguel, from the words beer, meaning gape, and guel, 
meaning throat or mouth. In short, beagle means gaping throat, to which tens of thousands of adoring beagle owners respond, yeah, no guff. So who decides the official name for a given breed? Spoiler, it isn't the American Kennel Club. Breed names are actually determined at the International Canine Congress, from a vaulted meeting room deep below their neo-Roman headquarters at Lake Geneva, a cabal of canine delegates from member nations cast secret ballots, forever determining the fate of the... It's the archives again. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm now being told that all that is bullshit. Uh, often, as we've learned, breed names are sometimes ancient, and woe betide those who try to fix what ain't broken. As newer breeds have been developed, and by newer, let's cover the last century or two, it's often the breeder who fashions a name. When the breed attracts enough fanciers and breeders, they'll form a club, effectively codifying that name. Among the 200 AKC-recognized breeds, patterns emerge. There are eponymous breeds, the uh, Parson Russells, the Kaishans, and Dobermans. Many are named for prey a dog is bred to hunt or bait. The Scottish Deerhound, Foxhounds, the Otterhound, the Norwegian Elkhound, and the Cocker Spaniel, a birding dog bred to hunt woodcocks. Some for the venue the dog is bred for, hence the Bernese Mountain Dog, the Portuguese Water Dog, and the aforementioned Cairn Terrier. From names that describe a breed's job, we get terriers, harriers, pointers, and retrievers. But the dominant trend in breed names is geographic. More than half the names of recognized breeds make some reference to a place, typically a place where a given breed first caught the notice of Europeans or Americans. The Celium Terrier, for instance, is named for the Welsh estate of one John Edwards, who developed the breed in the 19th century. Several recognized breeds contain nation-based adjectives such as English, American, and German. Names include Irish, Japanese, and Welsh. Some, such as the Staffordshire Terrier and Berger Picard, combine a place name with the dog's job. Berger being the French word for shepherd, Picard being the northern region of its origin. The great steamer trunk of breed names is awash in travel stickers, from Tibet to Havana to Siberia to Peru. There are dogs named for countries which, strictly speaking, don't exist anymore. Three decades after Czechia, the country formerly known as the Czech Republic, and Slovakia parted company, the Czechoslovakian Vilčák thrives. Josh, want to get the lights? They're a highly intelligent dog with, as you can see, a wolf-like appearance. And for good reason, the Vilchak is the product of unions between a female wolf and a male dog and vice versa. The objective being to capture the best of both worlds. The Vilchak is hardy, versatile, and devoted to their owner. Though not a recognized AKC breed, it has been accepted for recording in the AKC Foundation Stock Service, providing purebred breeders with a reliable means of maintaining their records. Another breed without a country? 
the Rhodesian Ridgeback. This affectionate wheaten-colored hound is a unique creation of Southern Africa, the result of crosses between native ridged Khoikhoi dogs and European breeds introduced by Dutch colonists, the Boers. Of course, Rhodesia, named for Cecil Rhodes, the scholarship guy, quintessential Victorian, British imperialist, and alas, white supremacist. The name Rhodesia has long since given way to Zimbabwe. This may be a dog without a country, but it suffers no shortage of devoted owners, breeders, and fanciers. While we're here, there are at least two other breeds whose names have become misnomers. You'll know them well. First, the German Shepherd Dog. No stranger to this podcast, they were developed by a man we've met more than once. Retired Prussian cavalry captain Max Emil Friedrich von Stefanitz. Originally von... At first, von... At first, von... You know who. Developed the dog as, yes, a shepherd. The trouble was, by the late 19th century, the demand for shepherd dogs, and shepherds for that matter, was on the wane. So the highly trainable German shepherd dog was repurposed, promoted instead for work and security, and service as a wartime ambulance dog. The word shepherd would remain in the dog's name, if not in its CV. Another misnomer. The poodle. It was originally bred in Germany more than four centuries ago as a water dog. Its name was derived from Puddelin, which refers to splashing in the water. Not only is French Poodle a misnomer, there is no such breed, the French actually call them the Caniche or Duck Dog. In time, the breed's many fine qualities allowed it to gravitate from the lake to the couch, leaving hunting tasks to retrievers. And also to these guys. Spaniels. Some 14 of AKC's recognized breeds are some form of Spaniel, and there's a story about that name too, which calls for a little research. To the archives. I'm sure I saw it in this volume. Sovereign, soybean, spandex. Ah, here. Spaniel. From the old French word espagnol, meaning Spanish. Spaniels are at least 600 years old. How do we know? Because Geoffrey Chaucer said so. In the Canterbury Tales, he wrote, Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold it, bud. Uh, have we got to do the disclaimer? Yeah, afraid so. The following Geoffrey Chaucer passage contains descriptions of misogyny, sexuality, and all-round 15th century thinking. Sensitive listeners are encouraged to cover their ears and call out la 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 for the next few seconds. Here, with simultaneous translation, is what Chaucer wrote. And if that she be foul, thou sayest that she... And if she be ugly, thou sayest that she... Coveteth every man that she may say... Covets every man that she may see... For as a spaniel, she will on him leap. For like a spaniel, she will on him leap. End quote. End quote. There it is. Proof that spaniels were a thing 600 years ago. (coughs) 
Beyond the names assigned to breeds over the centuries, it's worth noting some popular given names. For instance, the central casting dog names, Rover, Spot, and Fido. There's a little story behind each. Rover may have had some purchase as a canine name in the 19th century, but in 1905, the name hit its stride with the release of an early silent film, Rescued by Rover. It's a wonderful six-and-a-half-minute drama. A baby is kidnapped by an evil, baby-taking woman. A quarter century later, Indiana educator Zerna Sharp created two characters to help America's children learn to read. At their peak, the Dick and Jane books were used in 85% of the country's schools. Joining in their adventures was Spot, originally a terrier who inexplicably morphed through the life of the series into a Cocker Spaniel. The books were page-turners and nothing if not uh, un-Chaucer-like. See Spot run, said Jane. See Spot run to the new house. Come home, Spot, said Dick. Come, Spot, come. Come home. Fido is a whole nother story. That name, from the Latin root for faithful, was popularized in the 1860s by one Abraham Lincoln of Illinois. If you call a tail a leg, Lincoln supposedly said, how many legs does a dog have? The inevitable answer was five, to which Lincoln responded, no, calling a tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. How Fido came to join the Lincoln family in Springfield wasn't known. It is known he was a yellow dog of undiscernible breed lineage, with the often unwelcome habit of leaping up to greet newcomers with muddy paws. The canine would not join the ranks of White House dogs. When Lincoln left Springfield for the presidency, never to return, Fido remained in the care of longtime friend John Roll and family. As with all things Lincoln, there are many versions of the story. Most concur that some months following the president's death, on a Springfield street, Fido met a drunken man sitting on a curb and leapt up to greet him. The man drew a knife and stabbed the dog who ran away. His body would be found a month later, curled up behind the chimney of an old church. A pamphlet was soon generated sharing the story, popularizing the name Fido among new generations of dog fanciers, and entrenching the story of the two great friends, dog and master, each shaken violently from life, and in a pamphleteer's imagination reunited to stroll happily together beneath a warm, eternal sunshine. Two best friends, Semper Fidelis. Though breed names tend to stand unaltered, canine given names are another basket of crab altogether. Earlier this year, AKC, with the world's largest purebred registry, announced its inaugural list of popular dog names in 2022. The most popular names for female canines in 2022 are, we'll count them down from five, because that's how I saw it on TV once, uh, Willow, Lucy, Daisy, Bella, and the most popular name, Luna. And for males, again counting down from five, Teddy, Charlie, Cooper, Milo, 
and the most popular boy name, Max. These are the Fido's Spots and Rovers of 2023. For the full list, you can call me at home anytime, 24-7, or visit akc.org names. Sifting through the 200 names of AKC-recognized breeds, at first you'll see a disparate mess of geography, adjectives, job descriptions, and proper names, like a Jackson Pollock painting, but without all the gross stuff. Then, taken all together, it strikes you. Through every chapter of the human story, in every known time, and in every inhabited part of the planet, from the first hunters and gatherers through to the 21st century, canines have been there also. Since the beginning, purpose-bred dogs have been and remain loyal helpers, valued companions, co-workers, and in some cultures, guides to the afterlife. From the Offenpincher to the Peruvian Inca Orchid to the Yorkshire Terrier, names are a vital tool for partitioning and classifying. Yet it's the individuals, the Lunas and Maxes, the Rovers, Spots and Fidos, who breathe meaning into them. Down and Back, stories from the AKC archives. Visit akc.org for more on all things dog and find bonus materials for this episode. Follow AKC on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at American Kennel Club. On Twitter at AKC Dog Lovers. And let us know what you thought of the show. And let us know what you thought of the show. If you're new around here, subscribe with your favorite podcast provider to catch up on this season and past episodes. Founded in 1884, the American Kennel Club is the recognized and trusted expert in breeds, health, and training. We advocate for responsible dog ownership and are dedicated to advancing dog sports. Research for Down and Back is provided by the AKC Library and Archives the only national repository dedicated to the sport and enjoyment of the purebred dog. Learn more about the collections at akc.org library. <sighs> There's always a wise guy. <laughs> <laughs>